Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about an improv-type game for your tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. It's uh, something that we've been trying out and we're really excited to share it with you guys. Uh, but before we do that, Chris, how you doing, man? We've been uh, cooped up at home for, <laughs> what is it, like 30 days now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our first uh, content since uh, the whole COVID, COVID thing happened. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, uh, considering I think I'm having it uh, pretty easy compared to a lot of people. How about you? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good. We're stressing out a little bit because we're moving next week, but um, we'll figure it out. And, uh, yeah, I th things are going good I still have my job, still working from home, so uh, I guess we should take this opportunity to to tell everybody that's listening that we're thinking of you, you know, it's uh, have a little candid moment with you guys, and, and we hope that everyone's doing well despite all of this. Yeah, and I th we're, we're thinking, thanking anybody who's like working on the front line, there's, especially in the medical field, there's it's a, it's a rough time right now. It's a difficult time for everybody. So putting uh, good vibes out and I hope you guys are staying safe and are well. Uh, but I think we, we hear about COVID a lot lately. So we're going to try to go back to our usual stuff and talk about tabletop RPGs. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, actually, before we do that, I think it'd be worth quickly talking, guys, about our, our format. So lately we've been you know shooting longer videos and shorter videos and then combining them for the podcast audience to make one long podcast episode i think for the for the time being what we're going to do instead especially for as long as things remain as they are uh, we're going to be shooting a long audio only episode that we're going to publish on on itunes and on spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts and then we're also going to bite that into or cut that into bite-sized formats uh, big takeaways and that kind of thing and then publish that on the youtube medium so for those of you that that follow us in both of those places uh, you'll have two separate kinds of content that complement one another i think right chris that's kind of the idea yeah yeah we we uh we're gonna have like a podcast longer version and we'll we'll have the the more punchier uh, youtube so um if you're listening to this on podcast, there's definitely going to be something for you also on YouTube where you can go and uh, and have some more stuff. Yeah, so those quick takeaways. Um, so yeah, enough of, I guess, that housekeeping. So let's get right into this uh, interesting format that we've been playing with for the past, what, two, three weeks now? Um, yeah, and the, the, I mean, this comes from not being able to see each other and... <laughs> Being like, okay, well, we we want to spend some time with the, with the gang, but but we can't. So uh, let's figure out how we can do some kind of implementation of our RPG night uh, in an interesting way. So I was actually thinking about that on my own, thinking of doing some kind of scene thing, like the acting, the role play that I was going through, like all the gaps that maybe we left in the story. But I didn't really flesh out my idea. I was just like on the process of thinking about it. And then uh, you came with an idea, Matt. Yeah, that uh, oddly enough, I guess that's kind of how we do things. We both think of the same <laughs> idea. Uh, and then I, I kind of blurt it out and we develop it from there. But 
I I had this idea of doing kind of the same thing, but it was kind of more for my player characters' backgrounds and their backstories. So a lot of members in in my group don't exactly have the most fleshed out backstory and and the campaign that we've been playing in hasn't really paid too too much attention to their backstory save one character which is <laughs> which is yours Chris. <laughs> uh, so i figured you know why not have everybody jump on discord we could webcam or no webcam and we could just talk about our backstories and build the backstories and flesh them out together and actually flesh them out through small skits so they would be like little you know three to five minute skits between uh various characters and really see if that could help us propel the backstories forward yes and uh i mean if if you've watched some uh gm tips or game master tips or any kind of any kind of uh videos like that um they, they talk a lot about improv they talk about like if you want to get better at role playing you should try improv and we 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 did especially you matt you did uh you did improv in uh, high school i think right yeah i can't yeah. say i was very good at it but um <laughs> yeah i did it for a couple of years and you know for those of you who, who don't know we're, we're from canada and i went to a, a, a franco-ontarian high school so we we did improv the french canadian way and it's a lot of fun and it's it's structured in a in a very particular way that i think is different from english canadian uh, improv where yeah, and... it's very structured like scenes uh, have very specific timelines and a number of allotted players etc etc so i kind of inspired myself from that yeah, and when you came to me with this idea, I was really excited about it because I'm a I'm a big fan of Critical Role, and I see those kind of scenes embedded in their usual game. So they they are really good. I think that's why Critical is so um, so popular is because they're really good at creating those scenes very organically. But for people that are not trained actors, like us, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like us exactly. But like it, it it's we're trying to get maybe not to that level but we're trying to, to to get better and i think a structure is a good way to start so that's what we're here today to talk to you about it's some kind of structure to to work that in your game mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i guess we'll move on chris unless you had other things to add yeah uh, no, that's good so the so we'll give you guys i guess the definition and the structure of this improv tabletop rpg game that we're talking about so at a very basic level, uh, we have a couple of definitions, and I think it's important to understand the the structure and the game for you guys to take to really take anything away from this episode. So we're going to try to be very explicit in the definition. Uh, and the definition is it's a structured role playing and improv game that really has your characters, your setting, front and center. Uh, set it in, in in another way. This is an acting, it's, it's taking the acting and role-playing aspects of the, the game that you play with your friends at the table and really structuring it in a in kind of compartments that follows, like I said, the inspiration from uh, French-Canadian improv games. Yeah, we, we uh, as a group, we've, we, we, we did also, e like we had evenings of doing these kind of improv, but it's the first time that we do improv in character of 
our role-playing game and it's it's a lot of fun so i think at this point the best way to explain more is to go through the structure of how are we actually doing this kind of acting improv role play uh so the structure is there's the game master who will call the referee uh, for for this improv structure so the referee or usually the game master uh will choose a scene that the participants must act out the scene is inspired by some of the character background and story elements or skip moment in the story so as you as you play role-playing games often you'll skip oh here we'll skip two weeks or oh we'll skip uh, going up the mountain or we'll skip some travel time there's some some very good possible role play there a role play um, situation so these are the gaps we might want to revisit and uh, we might want to fill with those scenes. So if you take good notes, it's especially good to go through those notes and find those gaps where you can add some character interaction. So once the referee chose a scene, uh, the referee clarifies and set that the background information you need to start the scene. So when, where are we doing, where are we doing, who is there, that kind of stuff. Then uh, the referee states the participant and they give 60 seconds for preparation. So this is kind of like the, the, the huddle that happens before the, the French-Canadian improv that we're talking about, where uh, the group have 60 seconds just to set some markers, decide a little bit of how the, 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 the scene will, will go. And then once we're done, we start and the scene happens and everybody just improv the um, the role play yeah and, and i think it's important to note in that preparation period it, it's not necessarily just the people who are going to be in the scene that contribute to that right they're thinking of mm -hmm. everybody at the table is shooting out ideas they're identifying who might be part of the scene or or you know what kind of actions those people might have when they're in the scene uh, problems uh, interesting dramatic moments, one-liners, zingers, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, any idea is a good idea. And then the participants that were selected to be in the scene by the referee will then act out the scene with all those things that kind of kept in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think maybe something we haven't talked about, and <laughs> let's see if we can improv. Um, <laughs> I guess it would be a good time to do an example. I don't know if we could come up with one really quickly like this. Um, I mean, I, I have one from one of the games that we played that I, I thought was kind of sure. fun. And actually, before I give the example, I like to try to visualize, like, when we're thinking of the structure, guys, try to picture, like, a cue card. And on the cue card, you have you have three, uh, three variables. The first variable is the scene, so the name of the scene. The second variable is the setting and any background information that's needed. And then the third variable is which characters are critical to the scene and therefore are like, we want to consider them the participants in the scene. So, so for instance, in one of our games that we played, one of the scenes that I had in mind, and I had a, a, a thought-provoking title for the scene that I called Mysterious Mushroom Number Six. <laughs> that was the that was the scene's title. The setting was 
you know, the pirate crew has just landed on a mysterious tropical island. And one of the characters, let's say Chris's character, digs up a, a mushroom that the scientist, the, the doctor of the ship, does not know and has never seen before. That's kind of the background and setting of the scene. And then, obviously, in this scene, the mandatory participants would be Chris's character and the character who is playing the doctor. Go. Yeah, and then maybe you would start a timer for, for the preparation, and maybe I'll be like, okay, um, I'll play my character very reckless with and very... Uh, uh, he's going to explore and be fascinated with everything he sees, and then someone else will pitch something else. Yeah, I might be like... Oh, maybe you trip and you, you like you fall and rub your face all over the mushroom. Uh, oh, sure, that's good. Uh, what would your character do? Maybe a third person. And then the third person like, might say like, "Oh no, they're like really paranoid and they're not gonna like they're gonna be very like nervous about coming onto the island and they're gonna be very very careful about touching everything and and maybe like a fly lands on them and they freak out." And the other one says. Um, well, I'll, if there's a good time, I'll play indigenous people that are from this island, and I'll show up in, in that scene. So maybe that's the end of your preparation. Maybe that's you just have markers, you just have ideas on how it might work, mm -hmm. and then uh, you, you try to make some sense out of it, I guess, Yeah, and, by and improving it. That's the scene. And, and something that maybe I'm, I'm taking this from my time... Uh, I'm trying to reminisce way back when, when I was in high school. Um, but the scene's title, I find, like the, the, the name you give it, the more ambiguous and, and thought-provoking you can make it, the more room you can give the players to, to really explore and be creative with it. So I think that depending on the types of players you have, this might be something you can try to do. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> no, but that's good. It's good pointers. This, uh, this how to set the scene is is very important. So um, I think you might get an idea of what we're talking about now. So let's go through. Uh, so we we've done that multiple time now, and uh, let's go through some of the benefits we saw coming out of. Of this experience mm -hmm. um i i think it's a really neat neat exercise to do uh, especially because like you said chris we're we're not professional actors so we do leave a lot of gaps we do leave uh sometimes we go a very long amount of time when two characters in a party might not actually have had the opportunity to have like a one-on-one -on -one heart to heart moment and playing these kinds of games i found allowed for those heart-to-hearts to happen and we can kind of make them like you know they were implicit before we just hand waved and like said that they had happened and we just said that you guys were close friends but now we have the opportunity to to really showcase one of those moments yeah it's it's very powerful and and the example you just gave come comes from from my uh from the game i run where I think it adds a lot of depth to the relationship to the characters just to do those those moments that, that we skipped. So this is a benefit right there. The, uh, character and relationship development is, 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 I think it's at the core of what we're trying to do here. But there's also like benefits that come from almost like side effects. Like the fact that we're only doing 
the roleplay part means it's very focused and there's a lot of spotlight to give. There's, it, it's all, it, it's mostly about the player characters. I think as the game master, I saw myself kind of disappearing more than I usually do. Yeah, and, and I think that's, part of that comes with how structured it is, right? When When we're playing at the table, it's not laid out that clearly, that explicitly, like, here's the scene, here are the participants, here's 60 seconds to prepare what the scene is going to be about. Um, because you have that added bonus, you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, should I come into the scene or not? Or uh, am I giving enough? Am I being gift-giving enough? Well, here, it's all of that is already figured out for you. So that spotlight can shine brightly on the people who are in the scene right out of the get-go. Uh, that, that stress is removed, which is nice. Yeah, and and because it's so focused, you get an opportunity to develop a lot, a lot of things in a short time. You'll see that if you go through that and you do, like the scenes are not super long. We haven't talked about, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but let, let's say you can do a scene that's from one minute to, I don't know, We'll say six, and we'll talk about time later. But uh, you can do a lot of different scenes uh, in in an hour, mm -hmm. so you you get to touch a lot of different people, different character, but also a lot of different emotions. Yeah, it's it's really really concentrated. It's I want to say in an hour of playing these games, like let's say four or five of these scenes, we can go through more of the the role play and acting elements and develop relationships more than we might actually achieve in a four or five hour game session at the table when we're rolling dice and we're having combat and we're doing downtime and all of that it, it it's it's so potent it's so concentrated and that's kind of a blessing and a curse right yeah it's it's it means that it's uh it can be if you're not a lot of players it can definitely be tiring we're, we're assuming maybe where you have five or six players but if you're playing with three players it might be tiring to always be in scene so it's probably not realistic to say that you'll play like you'll do this activity this improv game for for three hours it's probably not gonna happen and and there's certain things like normal organic breakup that will happen because it's so it's so concentrated. Like in the improv game, the, the Canadian, French Canadian version, there is uh, breaks, right? So you might want to take breaks and not just go nonstop. But the, the benefit of making things canon very in a, in a very interesting way is is very um, rewarding. I think. Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it, Chris? How like I, I find that sometimes player characters or players can talk about their player characters for a very long amount of time trying to think about oh what about this how did i feel about that but then when when you put them in a scene and you're forced to make a decision right away it it happens in a blink of an eye and now you have this 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 decision you made that's now canon and part of your character and you kind of have to live with it uh yeah but but it's good because it, it it comes naturally, it comes quickly, and it allows you to just keep building on it as as you keep playing. Yeah, and I think it's kind of it's a muscle that you that you train, and it's a lot. A lot of people are afraid to make 
improv choice mm, yeah that are in their backstory and that that becomes canon and maybe a uh, parenthesis here if if you and maybe we'll talk about variation later but it doesn't have to be canon if you decide that one scene was not good you could just decide that it's not canon right <laughs> that's true uh, don't, don't put that kind of pressure on you but um but it's a good practice to try to make things canon and 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 this is i think a very interesting way to improve improve your role play in your game because because in a normal game it's not concentrated, which is harder to come in and out. And also, you don't have prep. Here you have a 60-second prep talking out, talking talking it out. Mm-hmm. So um, so there's a lot of... This structure gives you a lot of crutches with your role-playing game. So, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, something I also... Another benefit, I know we just keep talking about these benefits, but it, something that I think is really neat is you can really treat these scenes like singular moments in time you could have a whole bunch of flashbacks where you look into background of a specific character that's kind of what i was originally hoping to do um you know if if there's a a character who the player character never had the opportunity to think about their family ever ever before well maybe you could have a scene where you have that character interact with their mother or father or brother or sister and and it really explores this event in their background that is kind of difficult to to relive right like in the present moment because the game is happening the plot is unveiling the villain is the giant mastermind of this this epic evil plan isn't going to stop for or it might stop but unlikely to stop for your player character to explore their 10th birthday party with their 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 <laughs> sister and have that intimate moment and develop that relationship yeah and some players are really good at bringing those elements in their game already like uh having this candid time a candid moment uh around the fire and asking each other what about your family but but some groups are just don't do that and if you're will like if you want more of that it's a good way to practice it and and we're talking about like the mother of a player like yes the npcs are usually controlled by the game master or here the referee but it, it could be a good a good um situation where you can give control to the other players so have players play npcs that's yeah. That's actually something that happened almost by by happenstance when we were playing because one of our friends was he jumped onto the Discord server at the same time as we were all on there and he was like, "What are you guys doing?" And we said, "Well, <laughs> we're gonna be doing some improv games uh, for our role playing game." In another one, in like, a different one that you're a, not. He's a pl- yeah. He's a player in my game, but we were we were doing one for Matt, Matthew Matt's game. Yeah, and, and he and he was like, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind like joining you guys, and we let him, you know, come in. He played uh, mostly the same NPC the whole time, but it was really <laughs> funny because he fleshed out this NPC that honestly, his description in the game was I think literally just the drunk sailor. <laughs> and that was it there wasn't more to him than that until we played this game and i it was really fun to, to add that dimension and really flesh out that character while also fleshing out all the other characters 
Yeah, so it give importance even to NPCs if you want to. You, you can, and again, it's about spotlight. You can really put the spotlight where you want it, and on the information, the background that that you want to put emphasis. Uh, help me here, Matt. Emphasis. 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 Yeah. Emphasis. <laughs> French Canadian, right there. Um, yeah. So, so I think it's it's good for to develop the background, and it's good practice. I think this is the core benefit is. Uh, really develop and practice role play uh, in your games. Yes. So, you know, we touched on it a little bit. We, we, we talked about role play practice, improv practice. But Chris, I'd, I'd like to put you on the spot. Um, what's the difference? What, what do you think the difference is between role play and improv? Uh, is there one? Is it, What is it if there is one? Yeah, that is a very good question because I think like I said previously, when we talk about role play, we say you should try to do improv. And when you do improv, it, I mean, it's so similar. There's definitely common, like a core that is is common. They have common roots. I think it's mostly about structure. I think improv is structured in a very scene, and it's it's more comical. Where you can have comical role play, but it's it's a usually about being funny in an audience. Uh, where role play is more for some people could be more drama. It could be more um, about character uh, internal dialogue where maybe improv is not that deep because it's all separate events. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think really like uh, lining up all these improv scenes in one narrative occurrence is very interesting. And you know what? Uh, now it reminds me, do you remember the improv we went to see in the, uh, downtown Ottawa together. Yes, the, it was. The, the it was Dungeons it, and Dragons improv game or whatever. Yeah, it was a it was a Dungeon and Dragon improv, and I mean they didn't have stats, but it was a story, and it was basically that. It was now that I think about it, it was a bunch of scene. The group coming together is the name of the first one, and then uh, they face an ogre, and and they would actually roll dice and improv off of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, it's it's so similar. How how about you? Like, what what comes to mind when you think about the difference between role play and improv? You, you've done a lot more improv than I have. So I mean, I think you you nailed it when you talked about structure, but I, especially for French Canadian improv. Uh, but I think part of it too is this long format. When we think of our role playing games, when you make a scene, you kind of have to live with the consequences of what happened in that scene, and you just keep building. And it's this long narrative for the most part. Whereas in in the improv scenes that most improv scenes in, in the French Canadian world, it, it's like a three minute skit and that's it. Like you're not going back to that world. You're not going back to that character. So you can do ridiculous things. You can really take it over the top. Not to say you can't do that in a role playing game, but I, I think a role playing game is, is almost like this long form improv game that's regimented <laughs> by the rules of the, the 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 tabletop game that you're playing maybe i i'm not sure yeah i mean i mean, I mean yeah i and when when i talk about the difference between role play and improv i really mean the role play part of a role playing game so i remove the combat obviously i remove uh -huh, uh -huh. the like if you remove the really crunchy number things 
and just talk about the acting. And obviously the thing is, if you're role-playing and you're trying to persuade someone, you're going to probably roll a check and then see if it works, where in improv you just decide whatever is the funniest, right? It's, the, the rule is not really what is your stat. The rule is what will make the best show, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's all those rules too, right? There's the yeah. yes and and to to never ask questions and all this stuff and, and I, i'm no expert <laughs> by by any yeah, means yeah. but but there are there, there's books there there's there's all kinds of uh rules that you can follow when you're doing improv that i don't think necessarily apply to role play in a role playing game because you know you're working with a consistent world you're working with a dungeon master or game master who who has thought of a lot of this this content before so you can't not that you can't but it, it's a lot harder to to roll with the the whole yes and structure of an improv scene when a player is like oh um yeah and i'm the king's son out of nowhere like yeah yeah you're you're totally right the the, the rules are a lot more strict that's where you have the the yes but and uh, the no and and the no but and like the the rules of improv are too open i think to be directly transferred to role play but the um, the skills you develop are transferable i think oh yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and 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 i think that the the beauty of this game is that it it kind of highlights the similarities in a good way so that the players can practice those skills, can develop story in a in a safer, more structured environment, and then bring it to the game. I think something that we didn't mention that is important to mention is part of the reason why we had all these benefits that we listed out before is that you know it's part of an existing campaign. We played several months of games and and adventures. And we found ourselves with all of these plot holes, or not plot holes, but gaps questions. and questions yeah. that we were like, hmm, it would be fun to develop this more. And I think that that synergy between the small skits and the long form game really work well together and hadn't honestly hadn't come to mind. Like we hadn't considered doing it until we were almost forced to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, creativity uh, under stress, I guess. And it's uh, <laughs> yeah, and I I think you're you're totally right there. And it's it's the, this this questions we're asking ourselves. It's also good to to say that often scenes would be created from other player asking questions. Like if you're a fan of your fellow players, which you, you should will be. probably have, which you should be, I think. <laughs> You should. You might have questions on their backstory. You might have questions on how would you react to this or how did you react to that. Um, so, for for instance, we have uh, two characters, Otis and Randall, who has been established as friends from the beginning because they spent a year and a half doing things together, and we were like, I, we want to know what. Let's do a scene about that. So let's pick something that they've been doing together and let's act it out. And then after that, you, you end up with a deeper understanding on not only your character, but also everybody else's character. So um, it's, it's 
Yeah, it's a fun experience. Fun to be and, a part uh, of, fun to watch. Um, yeah. But definitely has some things that, you know, had us thinking. Uh, we, we've done, I think, a total of three of these kinds of games now, right, Chris? Yeah. Um, and despite all the, the amazing benefits, uh, Chris and I had some thoughts and some experiences that we kind of wanted to, to share and explore uh, as we're recording. So we have a list here of, of our experiences so far, maybe some lessons learned, and uh, things that we think you should consider in addition to the things that we mentioned already. So um, yeah. the, the first one we have here in the show notes is to talk a little bit about this idea of having optional participate uh, participants in the scene as well. So what did we mean by that, Chris? Yeah, right off the bat, once we started in both groups, it was pretty clear that it wasn't always going to be mandatory players and then we're done and nobody is allowed in. It become clear that it, we need some flexibility. So we would often say, uh, okay, here is a scene for Diedrich and Randall. But you know what? Ludolf could work there too. So Ludolf, if you see a good moment, you can jump in and uh, show up, basically. Uh, so it's optional. If there's time, if there is a space for you, go ahead and take it. And that's, I, I think that's key to this observation, right? It, it's if there is space for you. And I think when we're playing our, our game at the table, we're all still learning role play. We're, we're still trying to manage Spotlight as a group. But in this instance, it's super explicit. We're saying, here's a scene between two characters. And as it starts to fizzle out, if it starts to fizzle out, here's a third character try to come up with a way to revitalize it. And and I think that having that optional participant as like a like a spark plug to really resuscitate the conversation <laughs> or really resuscitate the the drama that's happening, I think is is really cool and is I I would encourage other people who are going to play these games to have one or two optional participants kind of waiting and set up to jump in. And and this is something that comes from improv as well yeah and um the, the the thing also it's controlling the flow of the scene i remember one of the last scene we did uh last week was we, we had kind of a two-parter it was we were at the bar and it was uh there was a gambling scene like a poker game and there was a dart game and we said something like okay you two are gonna have a discussion uh at the at the poker table and once you feel like this is sizzling out that this is done then you'll get up and you'll go join the other scene with the darts. So this was clearly a, a good exercise to, to notice flow in discussion and when it's going to die out. And like you said, a spark plug to, to, to reanimate this, this discussion. And like, like we said, you can really play with it a lot. We talked about optional participant. Now I'm talking from scene to scene. Mm -hmm. um, so really play with it, right? It's a game. Um, the the next experience that we wanted to talk about, and, and this is something that I think will come with practice for us, but we found that a lot of our scenes lived in the two extremes. Uh, oftentimes, we had scenes that were silly, you know, lots of joking around, uh, lots of ridiculousness, and we also had very intimate 
very serious roleplay moments. You know, between two characters sharing a deep dark secret or or really confining uh, confiding in the other. So I think something that would be interesting to explore, and we did it a little bit, is to try to explore more mundane moments. Yeah, and we had a player come up with a, an exercise, which was he pulled out a picture on the internet and said uh, of a night sky, and says we're all at night, we're about to fall asleep, and we're looking at the stars. Let's have a discussion about what the star mean for us, because Diedrich is a star wizard, like a celestial wizard. Mm -hmm. um, it was a good start of the conversation, and then everybody kind of joined in and pitched in, but it was not about oh, I have a deep secret or someone i care just died or we're just having a silly moment at a tavern it was just hanging out and it's surprisingly interesting but surprisingly also um endearing yeah it's there's a lot it's 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 a moment that you can get a, a lot out of and, and i think this is is probably the easiest thing for us to reintegrate into our games we kind of try to do it already you know when we're traveling or when we're setting up camp or whatever but i i think this more explicitly showcases those those moments and helps us practice getting the the acting and role play and improv because it's not easy to improvise about something mundane right it, it it's it's technically easier to have a very uh a serious tale to tell i think yeah it's that's often caricatures where you're either the the lonely dark wolf in the corner or you're just like having silly fun and punching people in the tavern where it's harder to be a, a real person where you're not often in those extremes mm -hmm. and i i think we we touch a little bit on 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 this silly scene i think one advantage one benefit of those silly scene is a warm-up we haven't talked about that but uh at the beginning we we usually have a silly scene to do the warm-up because it's hard to start cold mm -hmm. where everybody like they don't want to commit they don't want to especially if not, you're not used to it if it's the first time you're doing this it might be difficult to, to be the first one and people will actually tell me like they, they they told me i don't want to be the first one right because it feels it feels a bit weird so i uh, i think the first game i did in mine was Let's just put everybody together, and you're figuring out once you when you got your headquarters, you're figuring out which rooms anybody everybody gets, uh, each of you get, and it becomes silly. But everybody was in it, and then after that, we were good to go. So silly scene for warm up is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I think that kind of I think we're done with that one, right, Chris? We'll, we'll move on to the yeah, next yeah, one. Yeah. Um, the, the next observation that we had is to think a little bit about the source of these scenes. Um, Chris mentioned at the beginning of the episode that one thing that you could do is look for gaps in the campaign that you've played in, look for dramatic moments, and that's kind of what inspired us. But something that might be better, or that I guess the jury's still out, but to let your players be the ones to actually create the, the titles of the scenes. Let them identify to you, you know, oh, you know what? I really wanted to know how your character, Chris, reacted to the death of their, uh, to, to the death of that NPC that you really liked. 
and and, mm-hmm. and kind of really throw throw you the scene and and have the char- have all the players like just brainstorming together a whole bunch of cool scenes that they could play out yeah in 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 theory i think if you can succeed at this it's i think it's optimal to have the 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 players come up with at least some of the scenes for them to be uh emotionally involved or emotionally uh engaged with what's happening uh that's what i try to do because you're the first time we played was in uh in your game and uh it was more the, the structured way. So I tried to give more freedom in terms of who would decide of the scene. And I found that it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword where at the beginning it was, a, it was fine. People had one or two, but then the players needed more structure and more guidance from me. And I think the second time I did, it was kind of a failure of mine to not have those in my back pocket. So I would say, if you want to try this, it's fine, but maybe have some prepared just in case. Uh, people run out of ideas. I came in this thinking it would be like almost no work. I usually put a lot of work when I prep a game, but I was like, eh, I, my players are the one doing the action, so I don't really need to prep anything. Well, I, it was a mistake for me. And, <laughs> so, so, so I would say keep keep some in your back pocket, um, but do try it if your players are interested for sure. Yeah, I think you have to at least give them the opportunity to. Uh... And if they, like you said, don't have any ideas, that's when the game master or the the referee kind of needs to corral everybody and start just like pumping in ideas and almost, I don't want to say imposing scenes because obviously you, you want everybody to, to be, like you said, invested and enjoying themselves and doing what they want to be doing. But that, that leads us to ask ourselves you know, in these kinds of games, what exactly is the role of the game master? What exactly is the role of the referee? And and I think we we've touched a little bit on it already. Yeah, because just right there, setting is the game master setting the scene, or is it more like the players are the like on demand, or are you maybe maybe you can put everything in a bowl? Everybody writes one of those cards, and we put everything in a bowl, or we mix them. Yeah, and we go one by one. I think that's what I'm that... gonna do next. Like I, I think the next time we do this, everybody write two or three, put a number on them, and 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 we'll just randomly select a, a handful to see how. how yeah, it goes. I think that's that's a very good way to do it. I, in my game, I think if uh, the next time I do it, I think it's probably going to be me going through because I have pretty detailed notes, and I'm going to go through the whole story so far, and I'll try to see what. What hasn't been established? What what hole? And I kind of want to do it in order. I kind of want to do it. Let's basically use that to remind ourselves what the characters went through. Um, maybe have one scene every three games we we actually played. Like it doesn't need to be that that many scenes, but to go all uh, through that and then see reach the point of the present and then move forward with that after. That's so right there, we could we could do random or we could do ordered, right? That's that's what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I'm not sure how I feel about that, um, because because I I see where you're 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 getting at because it it's neat to offer that kind of look back and remember the the order of everything, and I think that offers some benefits. But I I wonder if 
that rigidity in the timeline also provides detriment? I don't. I don't know. Guess in we'll what, find in out. what sense? Well, if it's if we're going back and we're looking at it in a very linear way, mm -hmm. then we have to return to form to the long form roleplay. Whereas I think the benefit of this game is that it it almost feels like those short isolated moments. And then they all build up together to give us something. So, so when it's when it's random, you kind of have a little bit more flexibility, I think, and, and freedom. But then again, um, as a player, I like that freedom. Maybe maybe others prefer the structure. I, I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, two two things. I th I think you're right, and I think we we have different style where you are more you give more freedom to your players than I do. The The reason I would do ordered for me is mainly because when, when we were doing scenes, it was often complicated to set the scene because uh, we had some very, like, we played a long time and we had some, some times that were really complicated and they would ask me, okay, so this is between the death of that character, but the trial, so what information do we have at this point and yeah. who do we know? So it was kind of complicated to always, if we do random, to always say, to, okay, no, that you don't know, but that you know, so you can act out knowing this. But if I go ordered, I feel like the players will have an easier time. I won't have to set the scene as much every time. It's just going to be, hear what happened, and you know exactly what are the main moments. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's kind of easier. So I think if you have a game, if you're going back on in times that are very I'm, i won't say complicated it, it's it's harder to set the scene and having it order was anyway it was my goal my goal was to make it less complicated to remember all those details okay that makes sense but we'll see yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, another thing that i think is something that we should consider when we're thinking of the role of the game master is how strict should the game master be when they're considering the amount of time they give the players to prepare for the scenes. And and something that I think we, that I did every now and then, but not all the time, and that you didn't do at all, Chris, in, in, in our games, was have an end time. Uh, in, in, in the improv scenes, like in, in traditional French-Canadian improv, there is a dedicated amount of time, plus or minus like 10 seconds. So every, like a scene will be, three minutes long that's how long the scene's gonna last and in these games that we played personally i i think having end times or, or having like a dedicated amount of time dictated to the scene is good that's that's my opinion and <laughs> it might change but f for me i i think it's it's good because it it forces the information out of the players a little bit faster it makes the scenes a little bit punchier and it helps it move along because they they know that you know i i can't just meander through this i need to prepare i need to make these three minutes have content from start to finish um so that's that, that, that's my two cents but but 
for for those of you listening, I, I think it's something for you to consider and to consider the players that are going to be doing this with you. You know, do they need that structure, or would that just stress them out having having that timeline? Um, and, yeah. and I, I'd like to pick your brain, Chris. Why why did you elect not to have that when you when you did it? Well. First, I think something to keep in mind is that in, and we haven't established that, but in French Canadian improv, uh, it's a competition between two teams, right? It's uh, sometimes it's mixed where two teams are mixed during the scene, or sometimes they kind of have a competition and the audience votes for who they like the most. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, you kind of have to have an end time. You, you, it would, otherwise it wouldn't be fair. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the reason I, I have a harder time with end time is, especially with people that are learning, I know that I have a lot of players that are more, they're slower in the, the approach they want to. So, so they're more passive. They're going to wait for people to ask questions. They're going to really try to figure out the scene slowly and see where it goes, where I think this would, like you said, stress them out. But not only that, I, I think even if people were not stressed out and they wanted to get a point across, sometimes I, I, if I put a time, it might come to something that doesn't feel organic. Someone being basically asking, so what's your, so what's your mother's name? And because that's kind of the goal of the, the um, of the scene where maybe it would have been better to take a, a detour and something interesting would happen in the detour. And I've seen it happen where, I don't think if I had put an end time, we would have seen as much detail. And I think it depends maybe how much punchy you want it, uh, how much players you are maybe. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I had nine players, I'd probably put a timer because not all players are going to take the same time. And if you want to, again, manage spotlight. But, I mean, we had five players, I think. Um, I... I don't know if we're going to play that for three hours. I don't need it to be concentrated like two minute scenes, but it, I could definitely see having a period that are timed where we're just trying to get through very easy, very quick scene. Maybe as a warm up would be great. Um, but I want to give the freedom of my, to my players that if they want to take a detour, if they want to have, uh, dramatic pauses they're not feeling like they're running out of yeah time. but but I, I i i would argue that you could still have dramatic pauses in a three minute scene uh if there's four or five people in it i i agree that it's it's gonna feel rushed but like if you're having a, a one-on-one -on -one scene with with another character or or even a three a three character scene i think two minutes three minutes is is a lot of time to have one really good interaction i i agree with you that that you won't be able to meander through a variety of subjects but you might be able if you're you're too attentive players to try and keep track of the conversation and be like okay you know i have about three minutes so i'm going to start and we're going to chat and i'm going to detour and right at the end of the scene i'm going to say that 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 really cool thing and then that's where the game master comes in and cuts the scene at and maybe it was 20 seconds too long but but they can cut the scene right at that moment 
and like cut to black you know like i don't know mm -hmm. if i'm making sense but yeah yeah but i think for me it's if you're good enough to do this in three minutes the fact that i gave you three minutes doesn't change anything you you should still do it like that mm -hmm. but if you're not as good enough to make it all fit in three minutes and you need four and i said you would only get three then i'm might be cutting the scene before you get the jitter out before you get like it's mostly like if you're not if my players are trying to get better if they okay let me let me say it that way if they're already good enough to do this i don't really need to put an end time i think because they're gonna end the scene at the right moment anyway but if they're not good enough putting an end time will might not give them the time to to, to find that um conclusion so I, I'm willing to try it and to see if some of my players that are are taking maybe too much time are going to be able to wrap it up better. So I'm definitely willing to try the end time, but it, that's why I didn't do it the first time, at least. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see because I, I think it might be one of those things where it's 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 kind of like an additional structure, right? It, it's It's adding an extra layer to the structure that's saying like, oh, look, this is the amount of time you have for the scene. And I, I yeah, I, I'm not sure what the the benefit is. I, I know what the benefit is for me. I, I think it definitely helps me structure it. But anyway, let's let's move on. I think we've talked about that uh, enough. Um, what's the next thing? The other, I mean, the other thing we can talk about for the game master is how much creative freedom do you give your players? And that's, a valid point to talk even if we're not talking about this game we could like this uh improv format it's still a discussion to have in general uh, <laughs> yeah in general it's a good it's a good one to to have as a group and what we mean by that is and we kind of touched a little bit on map being more of a giving more freedom and me being a little bit more controlling i mean they're probably a better word <laughs> a word of, <laughs> but like we'll, we'll go with controlling um, I'm, I, I run in the Warhammer universe, a universe I know since I'm a, like, I've been in it, uh, as a kid. Um, I'm very attached to the lore. So there's some specific aspect that I, I'm strict with. Uh, you cannot invent races that are not part of the Warhammer world, for example. If I want to do it, I'll do it as a game master, but I don't think it, it's in the realm of the player's, uh, possibility to do it uh, maybe that's not a great example because in D, &D it might still not be a, a thing to do but maybe, let's say gods you could you could invent a god in D, D. I think not with a lot of problem because there's so many gods where in warhammer i wouldn't want you to invite the invent the religion so that's a thing where i'm controlling but lately i've tried to convince my players to take more creative freedom and add their own spin on things now that they know the universe and i find myself having trouble convincing them that it's okay i think you matt kind of got where I, I mean by that where as a player you're able to bring your own yeah um, elements it's 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 interesting and, and i mean it's finding that balance between especially in your game chris because i i know that that consistency in the universe is very important and and the source material is very important and, and for us as the players, we appreciate it. So it's finding the balance of what things 
am I allowed to change? And I think that's a conversation to have if you're going to play, especially if you're going to play this kind of improv game, because I think it benefits if you give your your players the creative freedom to just kind of speak their mind. And then at the end of the scene, when, you know, after everyone's done and you've really t faded to black, you say, that was really great. But by the way, when you talked about this or that, member of the fa royal family or you said this about your family i i don't think we should make that canon because you know i i have something else planned for that and and give the players the the opportunity to just kind of speak their mind and kind of mold the game world the way they want to for the scene so that they don't get caught up at you know looking for the right terminology uh but then after, if it's important to your game to for them to have used the right terminology, then you could kind of backtrack and say, okay, but when you said this, really, you should have said that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's maybe it's a point that you don't really need to address if you already have a game that is in a, in a homebrew and your players already have that freedom. But I think for that exercise, if you're not in that specific situation, you have to give more freedom than you usually do in your game. At least that's what I, I try to do. Uh, maybe a short example is someone where a, a wizard was talking and he said, I'm not even an apprentice, which in the situation I know doesn't work. He was an apprentice. He's not a journeyman. That's a detail you don't need to stop a scene for, right? It doesn't change the idea of the scene. So as long as it doesn't break what's happening, you just don't say anything and you just correct the little detail at the end and i think just make sure if you're in someone like me and you like controlling that 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 lore you maybe give a little bit more leeway than you usually do so i think that that covers the role of the referee and i'm sure there's other things but kind of to summarize it i i think really the referee can have as strict of a role or as loose of a role as you and your game table want but it's important for the referee, I think, to be prepared with these considerations and to think about your game table because at the end of the day, they need someone to kind of corral them into the right direction. Um, yeah, and it's kind of like a game master, right? That's why it's so similar. It's yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just different different um, cursors, I guess, but it's still the same. Of you want to help them by giving them a structure. The so yeah, go ahead, Chris. Um, sorry, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Uh, get player to ask themselves questions. What do we mean by that, Matt? Oh, Go ahead, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the next, I guess it's the next observation that we we made was that something that doing these exercises oh, yeah. does. You know, when you have players thinking of a dramatic moment in the past or in their backstory or whatever. Eventually, after doing one or two scenes, they're going to run out of the source material that they have for their their character, like the prepared content that they they had. And if they're not very strong improvisers, they might start asking themselves questions. So this session, you know, when you sit down, everybody on Discord, and you have a couple of scenes, after four or five scenes, 
some players might want to take 15 20 minutes to, to ask themselves a question about their character maybe maybe ask the entire group a question about the character and kind of get their opinion and, and kind of bounce ideas back and forth and, and if that happens and which it has happened to us i think it you should encourage it i think you should you know get the players to really think about this stuff and, and have this brainstorming moment as long as everybody's having fun, I think it's appropriate to include that in this kind of game. Yeah, if, if you if you go in there in this uh, exercise with, we're going to role play for three hours, it's probably going to disappoint you because what happens is exactly what Matt just said, is people will stop and be like, but, but what did happen back then when in my backstory? And I think we need more details there. I'll say that my bow comes from my father, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then people jump in and it, it really... You, you're creating a backstory like uh, collectively uh, pretty much yeah exactly yeah. and it's it's very rewarding and and i mean it can be very ridiculous last game we we did that pause to create a fable for the ordo fidelis we're like oh it's so cool everybody will have their sentence that represent their characters and then we'll have kind of like the main quest they went on and accomplishment and titles they got and we'll create like a, a, a poem or a fable and then I'll have a bard sing it during one of the quests later. Or And, and people were, I think everybody, maybe after 20 minutes if, except one, <laughs> uh, were like so into that. So what we said at the end, because we want everybody to have fun, we said, well, you know what? We'll just write the ideas and then we'll have someone try to put that all together later and someone volunteered um and i'm look, really looking forward to see what comes out of it yeah it was cool it was a neat segue it was a neat uh parentheses in the in the night uh so we're running short on time so we'll let's quickly go through the the last two chris um so the the, the second last one is the pufferfish moments and for those of you who have been listening to us for a little bit of for a little while now or who have been watching us on youtube you know that something that we've been doing in our games are these pufferfish moments they're, they're essentially one-on-one -on -one player character to player character interactions that will happen in the middle of a game so as we're playing if if i see a moment that i want to interact with chris on with his character on i'm going to grab a pufferfish which is a dryer ball that Chris has on the table. I'll grab one and I'll give him the other and we're going to have an uninterrupted scene with each other. And and I think there's some links to be made between the pufferfish moment and and these games, right Chris? Yeah, there's this uh I mean it's kind of like how to show and and I remember when we were talking about establishing this pufferfish moment, we were actually thinking of this improv scene where you have uh, you have the scene where people come on to show that they're ready to improv, ready to be in that scene. So we wanted to to show it with those puffer fish uh, pieces of plastic, basically. Um, so there's definitely this, it's this indication that I'm ready to role play. We're in a scene together. Uh, and it has been very powerful to help the role play. So this is kind of a, the next iteration of that with this... Uh, quarantine aspect <laughs> uh but it's 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 improvisation but we have preparation before so it's those pufferfish moments but we're only doing those pufferfish and we're doing it maybe out of order and without the prep and now that i think about it maybe those pufferfish moments could use a 20 second prep 
before we improvise them in a situation. Maybe it could be something yeah. to add in our games. I don't know if it would break the flow of what's happening. Maybe. Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm not 100% sure. But maybe having a 20 second to establish what we're going to talk about could be a good way to practice, have better role play. So if that's something that interests you guys uh, who, who are listening, we're going to link up that episode in the show notes. I'll link up the... Um the short YouTube video if you're looking for something punchy, and I'll also link up the long podcast episode if you rather listen to it in your uh, ear holes. Uh, so the next um, the next thing we have on the list is just a quick caveat. This is not sustainable, like this format, or at least I don't believe it to be sustainable if you don't have actual games to to play. Like Like, you have to have gone through let's just say five or six games before you can actually do this. And then after you've done a couple of nights like this, I, I think you're going to need to go back to the regular game and kind of have this rotation because after a while you're going to run out of material to like dramatic moments to, to fill in. Yeah. You don't want it to become repetitive or become so mundane that it's not interesting. So you need you need to create those those gaps. If you're if you don't have that, you're basically just doing an improv night, which is fine. Uh, but you might want to get out of those this role play universe because you'll you'll run out of using the same characters. Yeah, and, I mean, I guess in theory you could you could do yeah, this could. into the future as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's dangerous. But that's <laughs> that's that's something else, and I'm I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm not a good enough role player or improviser to do that. But um, yeah yeah and but but it could be incorporated in in your game so probably what's going to happen now we're in my game at least i'm I'm probably going to run a couple of games on roll 20 and we're we're going to run some games and then go back to this format and then run some more games so it can be a rotation it's not one or the other i'm not i'm even thinking that after the quarantines uh quarantine is over maybe we let's say there's a friday we're supposed to play and something happens and it, some people can't show up. Maybe we just meet up on, on Discord and have this instead. So it can be a good alternative even in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that wraps up most of what we had in terms of content for this. Do we want to do a quick uh, kind of summary of, of everything that we talked about, Chris? Yeah, sure. So, um, so we start by um, talking about the definition of what we're talking about, which is the structure role play improv game. And we gave you the structure. The structure is the referee chooses a scene, then um, he clarifies the background and what's happening, states who is going to be in it, gives some preparation time, and then you start the scene. And we've seen a lot of benefits from that. Like we repeated a lot of time is about developing a character and relationship and improving role play in your game, making it more natural and organic. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it also, yeah. I think, adds some uh, interesting focus, right? It, it really puts the spotlight on players and allows them to explore these relationships and the back catalog of content that you maybe skipped over. Uh, so that's that's something kind of neat. Uh, then we also talked quickly about role play and improv and whether or not they're the same thing. Uh, the, I don't think we came to any kind of conclusion. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then uh, last but not least, we talked about our experiences. I, I think the big takeaways here are know your group, 
know the role that you need to play as a game master and you know is it very structured is it very free probably somewhere in the middle but you might need to give it a try to <laughs> you might give it a, give it a try first and, and kind of see where you land based on based on all of that yeah and maybe a last thought on on this before we wrap this up um I wonder how this would work in character creation. I think it might be an interesting process um, to improv character backstories, even at the beginning of a campaign. Yeah, so like if you during guys... session zero, maybe? That could be yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. During session zero, you put some of that after you roll your characters and see how what feels right. Um, that could be an interesting thing to do. Maybe if you guys try it... Um, please contact us and tell us how we went. If you want to write us an email, it's uh, contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do that as well. It's at role underscore play underscore chat on Twitter. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. It's This is our first try, so cut us some slack if it's not as good as normal. Um, and we're probably going to keep doing this at least for the duration of of all this quarantine stuff and and we'll see if uh if we enjoy doing it maybe this is the new format where who knows i'm not going to promise anything and neither is chris but um <laughs> if you guys do like this we i really appreciate it and i know chris would really appreciate it if you if you shared the the, the episode or the channel with others uh we're we're almost mm -hmm to 100 subscribers on youtube and we had we reached i think a milestone for the podcast uh, the other week where we had 600 downloads which was uh, i was very impressed so if you if, if you want to you know share with your friends and rate us with five stars on itunes or whatever the equivalent is on on stitcher or on on spotify we'd really appreciate it it helps it really helps with the algorithm and all of that yeah and we're not getting paid or anything, but it paid and uh, motivation and really wants that makes us want to put more quality stuff out there. Yeah, really appreciate it, guys. So I think that's it for improv, isn't it, Chris? It is, Matt. Let's call it a chat. Oh, you can't do the like no, hand thing. No, I have, well, on podcasts we never have it. My my hand wave thing. It must be awkward now. I realize <laughs> <laughs> it just ends weird. I usually do a wave thing. Yeah, usually like like a salute almost, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>